Hey friends, Dean here with some exciting news to share. You can now buy us a coffee. That's right. You can help support independent content creators like us by becoming a member of the 3324 Green Room at buymeacoffee.com slash 3324. Our episodes will always be free and that will not change, but your support at buymeacoffee.com slash 3324 will help us continue to bring you the best in music and movie podcasting, in our humble opinion. As a Green Room supporter, you'll not only have our undying gratitude, but you'll also be able to vote on which episodes we record and receive other perks for as low as $3 per month. That's the price of a cup of coffee. There's absolutely no obligation and nothing about the show will change. It's not going behind a paywall. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash 3324 for all the details. The link will be in the show notes of every episode as well. We'll see you in the green room. We're not amazed at how good Paul McCartney is. And in this episode, we're going to introduce you to his best solo effort, Flaming Pie, co-produced by... Stay with us. Get ready for the 3324 Podcast, where lifelong friends Dean Legiro and Eric Cooper share their love of all things music and movies. Dean has directed short films and is a music trivia buff. And Eric, trained in audio engineering, brings his extensive knowledge of music and film to the conversation as they discuss, debate, and celebrate their favorite albums, films, and much more. Welcome, friends, to the 3324 Podcast. Oh, I love this job. <laughs> I should say remember? so. Yeah, I, I do. It's really a job, but no, I love what we do. I really do. It's been great. It's been it's fantastic. so much fun. Yeah, it is. We, and we picked a winner. A... And we picked another winner, another nugget. Yeah, another nugget. But, yeah. But uh, yeah. And you know what? There's a whole bunch of other nuggets to go mining for. So get get your miner's hat with the light on and get your pickaxe. Because uh, there's a whole <laughs> bunch of other content for you to go through at uh, on our uh, 3324.buzzsprout.com. Or you can go to Spotify. You can go to Apple. You can go to Pandora. Uh, Google, anywhere that there's a podcast, we're there. We have inserted ourselves, whether we were invited or not. Mm -hmm. We are on these major podcast providers. You can find us wherever you get your podcast. And if you're listening to us now, that means you already know that. So it's actually kind of redundant for me to say that, no? No, I don't think so. (laughs) Right. That's like if you and I went on vacation and we we got to our destination and I said, we're here. <laughs> you, yeah, we're here. Like that would be redundant too, because obviously you see us pulling up, and we're here. Well, so yeah, but there's always that one in the crowd that's like, "What? Wasn't what paying attention? Wasn't where paying attention? We? Where? Where are we? Sleeping in the back? Are we yeah, there yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you can sleepwalk finding a podcast, but if you did and you happen to swipe on us, stay for a little while. Check us out. Yep. See if you like it. And if you if not, um, that's okay. Share it. Share it with your friends. Share it with your friends. You want to hear a funny story? I do. Um, uh, today I went to. Um, they're not a sponsor, but I went to uh, Dunkin' Donuts to get an iced coffee, mm-hmm. and I went up to the drive-through to pick up my order. And the young gentleman said, "You know, he, I got a free coffee, so he scanned my phone to get the you know activate the free coffee uh, superpower." And then he's like, "What are you doing tonight?" Because tonight is ho- we're, we're recording this on Halloween night, mm-hmm. whenever it comes out. Happy Halloween, uh, by the way. Happy Everybody. Halloween. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, what are you doing tonight? I said, actually, I'm I'm recording a podcast tonight. I don't 
you know, I'm not doing. Oh my god! He's like, oh my god! What? Like, like he was like super impressed. Little does he know. <laughs> so I'm like, well, he's like, what's it about? What's it about? I'm like, you know, it's about we do like you know mostly classic rock and movies and stuff. He's like, oh my god! Oh my god! So I carry, I keep some of our magnets. We actually have magnets for your car. I keep some of the magnets in my glove compartment. Mm -hmm. So I pulled out the magnet and I gave him a magnet and he was so excited. He went on Snapchat and he like, like put a, made a post on Snapchat while he was at work with our magnet, like kind of putting the, putting the word out. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, it's cool. (laughs) Hey man, that's great. That's a great story. He didn't ask for an autograph though. And and I, I got the coffee for free, but that's because I had enough points. (laughs) <laughs> he didn't give it to me for free. He wasn't not that because impressed. of the po- not because of the podcast, right? He's, uh, he's like, I'm, "You're right, sir. I am a little more impressed with you. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> we'll take it." So that was that's a neat little uh, a yeah. neat little story. So, yep. uh, and I got rid of one of our magnets too. So that was kind of cool too. So I've had yeah. those for a while. So I was like, "Yeah, sitting put on it, the swag. Put it, put it on put it <laughs> on the it outside of the drive through. You know, like like stick it to the outside of the drive through free app. Right? I said, I, I said, if I, if I do it, you'll never have you guys will never let me come back again. But if you do it, it's different." So. <laughs> because <laughs> i'm not defacing the place so anyway uh we got some business to talk about today right mm-hmm. paul mccartney we've done the beatles we've done uh we've done a couple of the beatles we've done uh sergeant pepper rubber soul we did get back the disney plus special mm-hmm. and now we're going to finally talk about one of his his solo albums and what I think is his, what I think is his probably his finest work he's done a lot i mean we're gonna i'm gonna roll through the stats and this could take a while so if you're at home, uh, you could take a couple of sips of coffee while we go through this because there's going to be a <laughs> lot for for this one. Um, but but you know what? It's pff, he deserves it. Uh, so let's talk about his. This is uh, the album is called Flaming Pie. Uh, where did that title come from? Oddly enough, or amazingly enough, it came from John Lennon. Uh, mm-hmm. Back in the day, John Lennon stated that he had a dream. That a man on a flaming pie came to him and said, you will be known as the Beatles with an A, not Beatles like the insect. He goes, from here on in, you'll be known as Beatles with an A. And, and Paul McCartney remembered that um, that conversation and that dream that John Lennon had and, and you know, named his, this effort Flaming Pie, which is really great. So this was released in May of 1997, uh, produced by Paul McCartney all around. Uh, Jeff Lynne did eight tracks. And then George Martin worked on two tracks as producer, but then did some arranging. Mm-hmm. There was only one single released in the U.S., uh, The World Tonight. Hit a whopping number 64. Didn't really do much. But it hit number two on the Billboard charts. Did very well. Uh, certified gold. So not platinum. So it's it, gold is over 500,000, but less than yeah. a mil. Yeah. So, you know, in, in the world of the albums we talk about, yeah, not, not gangbusters, but... Uh, doesn't make a difference with this one he's mm. been inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame twice first with the beatles in 88 i think that was the second year of the hall of fame uh first year of the hall of fame all the you know all the pioneers got in uh and then second year beatles etc uh, and then he got in as a solo artist in 1999 he has written or co-written 32 number one singles okay He's got an Academy Award. He's got a Primetime Emmy Award. He has 18 Grammy Awards, nine with the Beatles, six solo, two with Wings, and one as part of a collaboration. And he was knighted in 1997. Hmm. So he became Sir Paul. He is a Guinness Book World Record holder, is the most honored composer and performer in music. With his album, his solo album, McCartney 3, which came out in 2020, 
He became the first artist to have a new album in the in one of the top two chart positions in each of the last six decades. That's amazing. Yeah. Legacy. Okay. <laughs> that's quite the legacy. Yeah. And that's yeah, that's not counting the Beatles. That was mm-hmm. just with yeah. with with his solo work. So starting in the 70s, right. he is the first artist to have a new album in in one of the either number 1 or number 2 chart position in each of the last 6 decades. That's amazing. That's That's unreal. Fantastic. Yeah. That is the yeah. you know, let's let's get it out of the way. A lot of people, you know, when you when you talk about the Beatles, you can you can talk about your favorite one, but but there is no disputing that Paul McCartney was literally built in a laboratory mm-hmm. to make music. Yeah, you know, no and, doubt. and 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 yeah. especially after watching the, the get back, when we watched the get, you know, when we did the get back uh, episode, it really came to the forefront. You know, a lot of that footage is him just sitting there at the piano, just rolling, just rolling shit off, and just creating you know, a just song, kind of coming, in, like in yeah, seconds. creating a song, coming yep. off with lyrics and yep throwaway stuff that would then be on Abbey Road or whatever. Um, you know, he, yeah, he, he writes love songs and he write, but he writes great love songs. That's not easy to do. It's easy to write a sappy song, mm-hmm. but he can do both. He can do hard stuff and he can do very tender stuff and meaningful stuff. He is just, he, he is, he's just an amazing artist. I mean, he's probably the best artist in, in of this, of the 20th century easily. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think I, you I can totally make the agree. case for that, right? Sure. And it's and it's an interesting, this album is, is I look at this album as, as a very strong case for that. Even though, you know, somebody might listen to this and think, what, you know, what's the big deal? But there's, there's something to be said ab- about this record. And we'll get into it, of course. You mentioned Flaming Pie and the John Lennon anecdote. But, you know, it's interesting to note that this was right on the heels of the anthology. Yeah. That came out uh, during the mid 90s and, you know, took, what, three, two, three years to to get all that out, to get all of the 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 other material out, the CDs that came with it, the, all the, you know, the unreleased material that they unearthed for this massive, massive project. Yeah. Jeff Lynn, of course, producing the Beatles, uh, the two tracks for, you know, that were brand new. They were. uh Free as a bird they, and real love. Free as a, for real love, and they were John Lennon tunes that were that were just you know old demos that they, you know, I remember the day that I heard that original demo, you know, of of Free as a Bird on 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 classic rock radio, and it was like, yeah, how are they going to do this? And and it was yeah. announced that Jeff Lynne was going to work with the Beatles at this because he had been working with George Harrison up to this point with the Wilburys, and so yeah, so you know, so I think this is a kind of a I would I would call this album more of sort of an epilogue to the whole affair. I guess. In a lot it of ways, it, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it, it's absolutely an epilogue on a couple of fronts. Yeah. So to, just to circle back on on the anthology, yeah, you're right. There was they had to do all the video, the interviews with 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 the three you know three remaining Beatles together, mm-hmm. you know George, Paul, and Ringo. So they had to film all that hours of footage of reminiscing and storytelling and, and all that. Then yeah, compiling the unreleased stuff. Then working on two new songs together. Mm-hmm. Um, while that was going on, Paul McCartney wanted to put out a solo album, and EMI's like, "No, like, no, you can't." You know, like you can't, like you can't, like what? You know, and 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 I think in, in the beginning, Paul McCartney's a little miffed, and then he thought about it. He goes, "Yeah, why would I want to go against the Beatles anyway?" That's true. Right? It's, it's yeah. going to get lost in the wash, you know. And then uh, you know the the Jeff and and then we could call it like the Jeff Lynn problem. 
mm-hmm. is that when when the anthology was coming together, George Harrison says, well, I want Jeff Lynn to work on this kind of stuff. And, and Paul McCartney was thinking, well, oh, this is George's friend. So he's going to be slanted towards George. Right. And he's going to take yeah. George's side with stuff. So so there was a little trepidation from, for, uh, of, you know, from the anthology part of what what was Jeff Lynn going to do or how was he going to act or how was he going to be? But. Like I said, the guy, you know, you've heard it here. If you've heard it once, you've heard it a thousand times. He's the most humble guy. He was there to work. You know, yeah. this is like wish fulfillment for him. Um, you know, this guy's got you know, like this the life of Walter Mitty. I mean, he's wor- working with all of his heroes. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know what else the guy can ask for. So he was and he proved by, by what, like you had said, the work he had done on Free as a Bird, which which there is some uh, there's some clips on YouTube, which maybe we'll post on, on our on our Facebook page about how how it was a uh was a mixture of science <laughs> and and witchcraft and magic mm-hmm. of of matching this up and, and getting it done you know uh and and jeff lynn explains a little bit of it paul mccartney explains a little bit of it tom petty explains a little bit of it in, in assorted interviews about those sessions um that reinvigorated in, in invigorated and energized paul mccartney so this was a good you know the anthology was a good thing because his last couple of albums were lackluster. I mean, they were great albums, but they weren't charting very well. Mm-hmm. You know, his 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 last album of the '80s, "Flowers in the Dirt," was his great comeback. We saw him on that tour. That's right, which yep. is absolutely amazing. And it hit like number, I don't know, like twenty-one on the charts. It was okay. It was a big comeback. And then a couple of years later, his first album of the '90s, "Off the Ground," which was a great album, it only hit number seventeen. Mm. You know, so he's kind of like. You know, almost like the, you know, the bloom is coming off the rose. He's, you know, is he going to become one of those artists that kind of becomes a legacy act? And after doing the anthology, he's like, I need to get back to the quality and the standards that the Beatles had set. You know, and and that's so he grabs Jeff Lynn and says, listen, you know, I want to, you know, record at at a high level or sometimes I want to do stuff quick like the Beatles did. I want to be able to, you know, get together and be focused and knock out a really good song. And Jeff Lynn's like, yeah, I'm I'm game for that. Like, whatever you want to do. But that's um, that's an interesting point, though, because to me, it's like that was one of the questions I'd, I I wanted to raise is why Paul McCartney would why would he ask Je- why would he need Jeff Lynn to produ- to co-produce, you know, like he can yeah. do it himself, you know, like that's the thing, and and the most interesting thing, one of the interesting things about the album is like if if you if you take the amount of songs that Jeff Lynn appeared on, half of them mm-hmm. sound like the signature Jeff Lynn producing. You think so? Style. I, I was going to make the opposite case. But, there's, but then there are other songs that sound nothing like, but he's still playing on them, you know, prolifically. There's there's backing vocals, there's guitar, you know, whatever. Songs like Heaven on a Sunday, for example, that to me is like evocative of a Wings tune, you know, but, but Jeff Lynn's a part of that. And this is the first time that I ever heard Jeff Lynn ever be a uh, part of something that didn't have that just that. That's certain something that he does in his production style yeah. that it just that, that's what I was anything to. like it. Yeah. And and that's part of the epilogue is is this would end his 90s run of production. Mm-hmm. Uh, after this, he would go dormant for a while. He really didn't produce anything. We've talked in, in previous episodes about the extent of his work in the late 80s. I think on the Wilburys episode. Yeah. His extent of his work on the late 80s and early 90s, how much stuff he had done. And this kind of caps it off. Uh, and like you said, I, you know, and, and for me, I felt that this was him. This was his most on Jeff Lynn like production work, and probably because of the work he did with the Beatles, I think McCartney got him because he knows that this guy's a craftsman, can kind of help 
because you know McCartney's the producer on all tracks, and then there's mm-hmm. you know Jeff Lynne and, and and George Martin on on other ones. Um, and I think I think Jeff Lynne was kept around for his talents of what he can achieve, um, and how he's in like you can bounce ideas off him because yeah, McCartney doesn't need anybody. He self produces, he writes, he's yeah. he's a self contained thing. He plays everything. He doesn't need people. But so the fact that he sought somebody out, you know, I think he wanted that that spark of collaboration that the Beatles had. Sure. Right. Which yeah, is different than fair. when you're working, yeah. when you're working by yourself, he was, he was energized coming off that. So he was probably really jazzed about those sessions, about the sessions for free as a bird and real love. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, Oh wow. Here's that, you know, that, that col- not, not necessarily a group dynamic, but that collaboration dynamic. Yeah. You know, so let me grab him. Cause he did such a great job um, that I, you know, I can use, I, you know, let me see what he can bring to this. And, um, between that and Steve Miller, because we we can't you can't discount Steve Miller on this album too, who was who was an old friend of his, Steve Miller from Steve Miller Band. We talked about him. We talked about McCartney briefly in our Book of Dreams episode. Uh, they were buddies from way back, uh, and then Steve Miller, you know, comes on on three songs and lends a different, the the little harder, you know. I oh my god, it used to be bad. Just <laughs> you just hear it, yeah. I, love, I love Steve Miller's voice because it's. Yeah. So yeah. it's like soft sound. It's not like it's like the anti Bob Seeger, right? They're two guys yeah. that kind of came up at the same time. Like they're both yep. popular in the 70s and had a lot of hits. And and, and Bob Seeger has like a growl and a grit to his voice. And and Steve Miller is is his voice is more rounded. You know, it's got like softer, it's like rounded edges, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and when he comes in on Used to Be Bad <laughs> on this album, he sounds just like Steve Miller from the 70s, you know, and it's just like a great <laughs> yeah. like it almost like they they transported him from seventy seven and and brought him in. He just sounded so great on this album. And then his guitar work, um, you know, he worked on he worked on three songs. Uh, used to be bad. He did the guitar on "If You Wanna," and then he also helped out on on "Young Boy." So mm, you know, that's my favorite. Uh, yeah, bring bringing a little bit of a, a harder edge to those songs, which is just uh, you know, it ga- it gives the album such a nice balance between the the harder edged. The the ballad stuff that McCartney does, which is fantastic. I mean, if you hate his ballads, I would challenge you to to listen to this album and listen to the words. Um, there, there's you know there's some sadness associated with this album. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Linda McCartney had been diagnosed with breast cancer two years earlier. Yep, which had metastasized into her liver, which means it was spreading, and and they had caught it too late. Yeah. Um, and they knew back then that she only had about 18 months to live. So there, there is some, uh, you know, some, there's that weight if, there. Yeah. yeah. If if you, if you listen to that album with, with those ears, it takes on a different tone. Mm-hmm. Some of the songs, you know, and then, and then w- little Willow was written about Ringo's first wife, his ex-wife Maureen, who passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was written for his children. So there's like, loss there's impending loss um you know he was you know linda would would pass away the following year in 1998 um so there's like a it's not that there's a heaviness on the album because it doesn't sound like that but in that context he's working through this stuff and and when you hear even even calico skies which was actually written about hurricane bob in 1991 but yeah it doesn't feel you know souvenir you know, these songs, all these, just, yeah, all these songs are kind of woven into the whole, uh, like you say, the collaborative spark, the creative yeah. spark that, that, that appeared, um, you know, listen, I'm sure listening to all that tons of material like the Beatles did back in the day, 
had to have had some kind of an effect on all of them. You know, it's just uh, at that point. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it just... The, the the slower songs, the sadder songs. Great Day is probably one of my favorite tracks. And it's uh, pretty upbeat, but it pretty much says what it has to say. You know, it closes the album out and it ends on a positive note. It, yeah. But it is acknowledging that she doesn't have long. And that song well, was written in 92. Like that was an older song. Dude, before from, that, you know, I, Great Day was 20, is 25 years old. Yeah. Well, it was, he, reco- it was he recorded, it went unrecorded. He recorded, he recorded it, a demo that was never released and, and he recorded I, it as it was exactly arranged. Okay. I thought it was for, uh, off the ground from the sessions. No, no there was some other okay. stuff on here. There was a lot okay. of other stuff that was kind of like kicking around. Um, okay. And, and that's what McCartney did is McCartney gave Jeff Lynn a tape of 10 demos and said, pick three, you know, so Jeff Lynn picked a couple, um, so so yeah, great great days. But but um, the very first song, um, song we were singing is about the Beatles. It's about those old times. Yeah, you know when when they were having these big thoughts and sitting around and smoking and, and just talking about life, right? And mm-hmm. so this is a, a reflective and introspective album that you're getting from him. But it's not sappy, you know, because then you get it, it, the only single is the second song that in the U.S., which is the world, you know, the world tonight, which is up tempo. It's great. Um, it's got one of my favorite lyrics of all time. I go back so far, I'm in front of me, which <laughs> yeah. I love. That. So, like, you know, he goes back so far around the world that he ends up in front of himself, which is just mm-hmm. like, again, he he's he still writes great lyrics. You know, these are not like throwaways, and and a guy just kind of you know, trying to get through this kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, which, which I really, you have to re- respect about the man is he's prolific, but, and it's still good stuff. Yeah, it it is. And it's a, an eclectic mix. Like you mentioned, the, the Steve Miller stuff evokes that stuff. Like, you know, he talks about it's reminiscent of the Beatles, but it's setting it in that sort of style of, of an older song, an older tune, almost like a pub t- type of, tavern type of song where they're used to just like yeah people like kind of you know drinking and like the song we were singing and it's like in three-fourths time and it's it has that sort of waltzy kind of thing and you know and then you have like the stuff with steve miller which is very 70s evocative of that of that period and so that you know he's acknowledging all the great moments i think of of of, yeah kind of like a travel kind of like a travel log of his career in in, in a weird way that's right that's absolutely right you know it's not it's not throwbacky, except for really, except for "Beautiful Night." Really has a lot of of DNA from a lot of different era, Paul McCartney eras. But mm-hmm. um, like you said, "Heaven on a Sunday" is just like a mellow. That's got his son James playing playing electric, playing electric guitar. guitar. Yeah, some nice. And, work. Uh, you know, his, yeah. his son was only like nineteen at the time, hanging around the studio, noodling on guitar, not really doing yeah. something. Then his father, Paul. I mean, can you imagine your father's Paul McCartney says, "Hey, do you want to play guitar on on this song?" Like, okay, let me go yeah. have a heart attack. <laughs> like, no, no pressure it's either that or i don't what you want me to play with you with you old man come on now no, no. but yeah but like you know like, i'd be like uh and, and he's like yeah i'll do it you know so there was no it wasn't like a, a big rehearsed thing and he came in and uh did some nice work on heaven it's on a beautiful Sunday. Really, it's a beautiful yeah. song it's breezy it's i love it that's one of my favorites yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah, just it's, some yeah and 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 like you said Jeff, i think on flaming pie is probably the most ELO-ish you get. Jeff, Jeff Lynn. Yeah. Yeah. With Jeff Lynn. Yeah. Like, look, I, I think yeah. the rest of the stuff is very understated. You get that piano that kicks in, that dun, 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 you know, that's yeah. so. And even the backing vocals, the, uh, yeah. 
like that. <laughs> and, and even like the dun, 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 like that yeah. kind of stuff is, has that, that trademark on it, but it's nice to hear it from McCartney. Like it, it kind of, it yeah. works. He's, he's a nice foil for McCartney right. to, to kind of bring, uh, bring some of those great ideas into him. So yeah, I remember when I first heard this album, I was just smiling, smiling, smiling <laughs> when I first heard it. The, I, the, 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 let me tell you the story about the vinyl. Um, this is one of the one of the a very rare vinyl album, right? Because mm-hmm. in '97 they were pretty much done. Records weren't being made anymore. Like that was over. It was, it was over. So, um, when I got back into vinyl, I wrote like a list, and like Flaming Pie was on the list, and I wasn't even sure if it was out on vinyl. And uh, I'd go on Discogs, which if you're a vinyl collector or if you have a record collection, you can go on Discogs and create a free account. They're not sponsored. Uh, um, you can catalog, you can actually catalog your collection. You just, and if you have the mobile app, you just scan the barcode. It adds it to your collection anyway. And it's got a marketplace. I was looking flaming pies, 150 bucks for the vinyl. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, this is a grail, right? This is a grail vinyl because it's, I'm not going to just find it. Mm -hmm. You know, a a, a rare album like that is just not going to be sitting in a record store. I'm going to have to get it from somewhere. To be clear, this is before the archive collection when he, yes. you know, all the remastered albums that he went back and remastered. This is pre, yeah, pre this is the original, this is which, yeah, which I always do. Right. I, yeah, I don't like to get, yeah. if I can avoid it, I don't like to get re, you know, like re-releases. I did have to get that for Full Moon Fever. I could not find a copy of the original Full Moon Fever. Mm-hmm. So when that came out, I bought it and then I actually did find a, a copy and I got it really cheap. But um going back to mccartney is is, it's it was so expensive that it's just not going to be you're not going to find it in the dollar bin by mistake like oh how did this get here yeah um lo and behold i found it in a record store i was up in the berkshires which is up which is northern it's uh western massachusetts on the new you know border of new york state so it's a really beautiful area it's just like very scenic and picturesque in the fall you go there you have a good time this little crappy hole in the wall record store that had like of the course. junkiest junk. So I'm, I'm flip, I'm flipping through. Like when I go to record stores, I, I look for, I just look in certain things just to see, like I'll look in Fleetwood Mac, see if there's something I never saw, you know, I'll check, check a couple of different artists. So I'm flipping through, looking down, flipping through. And then I, I look up, you know, at the windowsill and the, the, it's sit, the album is sitting right there. Like flaming pie sitting on the windowsill. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. Very strange. Um, but, uh, hey, you know, if you're going to find it somewhere, it's got to be in one of those holes in the wall. Yeah. You know, it's like- it, wasn't even, it wasn't even behind the <laughs> counter, though. So I grabbed it. I brought it up to the counter. I said, hold this. I said, I'm going to keep now. I'm really going to like start looking. If you guys have flaming pie in this little hole in the walls, tiny record shop. Um, How I'm much did start you looking. And it didn't even have it behind the counter. It was a uh, hundred bucks. hundred bucks. Yeah. Which That's wasn't bad. bad. It still goes That's for not. more than that. I, even yeah. with the re-release, like, you know, the original, uh, you know. I want the original. I want, you know, because they were mastered differently for LP than they, they mm-hmm. do it now. And, um, oh, yeah. yeah, we do it from the original analogs. Not always. Even that's turned out to not always be true. So mm-hmm. um, so I got Flaming Pie on vinyl. So I was just a little little off-road, but very related to And this, I take so. it that it's in good condition? Sounds it's in great. beautiful condition. I don't pull it out. Yeah, I don't I don't even think I listened to it for, for this episode. I, I don't think I pull, I don't pull it out. I don't take it out very often. It's kind of like. got to savor it. it. Yeah. Gotta, yeah. Yeah. Cause it's only, you know, only a certain <laughs> amount of plays before it's going to start to, you know, to, to break down. So that's gotta sure. be, you know, it's going to yep. be a, a great one, but um, yeah, it, it's, it's just a really plus it, you know, what came out in 97, which was a different time. And, you know, we're talking what, 20, 25 years ago. 
mm-hmm. right? Different time in in, in, in our lives as well. Yeah. Um, you know, a- attaching this to different things that were going on personally. A lot of great yeah, stuff. Lots of, yeah, lots of baggage there. Lots of yeah. uh, personal stuff happening. Yeah, so this was just kind of, it was kind of there. And in the middle 90s, you know, you didn't have these types of artists. You know, grunge was kind of, on, you know, on, on the decay a little bit. Uh, the alt pop was kind of coming up. Mm-hmm. But these kind of legacy artists were lost in the sauce. There really wasn't, you know, ELO was dormant, if you want to put it that way. Fleetwood Mac was, had just come out with the dance, but that was a live thing. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff that I was listening to was veering off into finding dip, new music or finding different, you know, singles that I liked, you know. So for him to come out with this and to be such a great release, um, again, not not that I wasn't a fan of Off the Ground and uh, Flowers in the Dirt and even Press to Play I like, which a lot of people don't like Press to Play. I think that's one of his better solo albums and a lot of people don't like it. I like them all. Um, yeah. Yeah, which has a lot of great stuff on it. Yeah. Um, so Beautiful Night. Uh, is, your, is it your favorite song or no? No. It, no? it is. Really? I, I acknowledge that it's probably the most... <laughs> You acknowledge. I acknowledge that it's it is probably the the lushest song on the on the record. It has a lot of production on there. Uh, it is a gorgeous, gorgeous. And if, if there's anything that sounds it, that is, it evokes the Beatles, it's that one. Um, yeah. But but yeah, it's it's. But it, you know, I, I, there are other tracks that I just <sighs> like like Heaven on a Sunday. I, I really dig. Yeah, I dug the I dig the groove of that. The the it's chill. The yeah, Heaven on a Sunday. Laid back is, is and chill. chill and yep great day i love i just love the way it closes out and world tonight um song we were singing yeah. those those are great those and then yeah. of course that with one song we didn't talk about which was uh uh the, the little jam session with rinko we'll get right? there we'll get there we'll okay get there. you're saving yeah. it all right <laughs> you know there's a, there's a lot here that's the great thing so you yeah. know beautiful yeah. night for me is just like it, it hits me somewhere that song mm-hmm. like it's it's Original the, the, now, this song "Beautiful Night" is about ten years old from from the recording of this. He in in the mid eighties, McCartney was working on an album called "Return to Pepperland," which was going to celebrate so eighty six, like the twentieth anniversary of Sgt. Pepper. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. I just I just found it. He he did a, a, a he recorded a version of it, but it's got that eighties reverb and echo, and the lyrics are different, and the arrangement is not there. So I'm glad that it he shelved it until he can get George Martin in to do the arranging because George Martin didn't produce this. He arranged the, the horns on this. Yeah. Jeff Lynn did the production, you know, the guitars. Um, it, it's a, it's a mix of, of McCartney wings and Beatles. It's got all the, all the different parts of his career in this song. It's got the, the Sergeant Pepper Penny Lane horns, like the French horns. It's got that blaring horns. It's got the great lush. You said it like lush arrangements mm-hmm. it's got some some roaring guitar at the end it's got a little bit of everything and then like you and then and then but it's not the close it's not the closing it should be the closing song on the album but it's not great day closes it which is one of one of the ones you like and i really kind of correlate this to the weight on abbey road and then her majesty like you've got yeah. the weight, which is like this, you know, that whole big medley at the end is this big, everything comes to a crescendo and the, and the album ends. And then there's just this little ditty at the end of Her Majesty on the end of Abbey That's right. Road. That's right. And this is the yep. same thing. Beautiful Night is this big production. It's this big, so, it's the biggest like scope. It's, this, it's a sco- song that has the biggest scope 
on mm-hmm. the album, right? The biggest production and everything. Yeah, for the most and part, it, the album's pretty sparse. It's, yeah. It's because he didn't want to use a lot of like heavy yeah, production he, on it. Yeah, he so, wanted to move quick. And, right. And so this uh, this song ends, and then you've got this little two-minute song right after it, Great Day, which is just him on a, you know, with his acoustic guitar. Again, the, the oh, arrangement oh. From, from 25 years previous, he, he, he didn't change anything. You know, and him I, tapping on the guitar and tapping on his love knee for, for percussion. Yeah, I love the that. And it's I can't so help but but look at him coming off the anthology and being energized by that. And this may be having some subliminal influence on Abbey Road of having this big epic song kind of close the album out. But then you have this little gentler song that kind of sees, you know, kind of opens the door for you gently while you're walking out, you know. Yeah. Uh, absolutely which, which is yep. a great you know it's just again brilliant like you would expect beautiful night to end the album it's like oh my god this big thing <laughs> no there's you know sometimes less yeah. is more and 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 going with that understated song at the end is just absolutely brilliant yeah absolutely brilliant yeah um, my wife yeah, kelly's that- a big fan of calico sky she because uh, <laughs> you know because when we first met this album had had been in my rotation as it were you know like listening to this cd over and over Mm -hmm. and i I really dug it and and so i played it for her and she was you know she wasn't much of you know that much of a beatles or paul mccartney even but this if this if there was one album that made her recognize paul mccartney it was this one and she loves calico skies for whatever reason it's a beautiful song isn't in no doubt but it's just you can't can't help that it's about his wife you you know it's like yeah it is it is it's not your everyday run-of-the-mill ballad you know it's 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 very sort of british it's very sort of like mm-hmm. you know proper <laughs> you know and and just his voice it's almost like you know he's almost trying like it, it reminds me of wings when he does all those weird voices and when, when with wings him and linda they used to do mm-hmm. like that stuff and you know that, that it kind of reminds me of that it's like this really prim and proper like you know like you know type of thing and it's just very and it's amazing that she just, you know, of all the things to like, and especially in the nineties yeah, with grunge around, like, this is it. This is the song <laughs> you like best. And this, it's like, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> it just blew my mind. That's just so good. So yeah. great. Well, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, Ringo Starr would make it, make an appearance on this album. He would be on three songs. Only two would be on the album. Yeah. Uh, Beautiful night, which, which Ringo would play drums on. Mm-hmm. Um, so they once they finished that, they finished that that session for Beautiful Night, and Ringo was so jazzed. He showed up the next day at the recording studio. And and so Paul grabbed Jeff Lynn and Ringo. And this is the first, the first ever uh song credited to to Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr together is Really Love You. And it's just a, yeah. it's just three people. It's it's Paul on bass, Jeff Lynn on guitar, and then Ringo on drums. And then Paul would go and do some overdubs later. You know, Ringo just started laying down a beat. Paul McCartney started playing a bass line. Jeff Lynn said, I'm just going to try and keep up with the guitar. I'm just going to kind of, I'm not going to get in the way. And then Paul yeah. McCartney just started making up lyrics. The lyrics are not, it's just, it's like one of those jams that people would just kind of do, you know? And, yeah. and they, that was, the, that song is probably the spirit, probably represents, embodies the spirit of what he was trying to do. I think that's yeah. why it's on this album because it's so freewheeling unrehearsed it's it's it was done live in the studio like that it's it's you know very on anything you needed something like that you, know? you needed to have that little yeah. that little bit in there just to again like the anthology to have that little that creative 
uh, piece where it's, it's almost like a, you know, behind the scenes type of take yeah. or like, you know, something yeah, almost so, like a, in, this would be like an outtake or a warm up. Exactly. And right? it, it, it also would make a, a really strong case for, you know, going back to our bass player episode yeah. when you made a, a, such a case about his bass playing and this in this song, it, that heavy bass line is yeah. it's very it's very simple. But it's man, it's like it's that, f- that that yeah. thick bass that he uses yeah. is phenomenal. Yeah, it's such a it's great sound. Really, yeah. yeah, so it's it's just like, you know, he was uh, the guy's done it all, right? So it's kind of like we we just did we've done a couple. We did the Thriller episode, and and I'm going to re- mm-hmm. refer back to our In Excess episode where those artists went in with the expressed intent of making every song that it could be a single, it could be a number one single, right? Mm-hmm. What does a guy do when he's done all that? Yeah. Like, how do you keep yourself interested? Right? He's been there. He's done that. He's got the awards. He's got the accolades. He's the greatest thing on earth. Like, you know, what wh- then what does he do? Like at, at what point? So what tickled his fancy was working quickly and, and getting the spark back from what 97. So you're talking like 25 years early, 1962, right? Mm-hmm. Uh going back 25 years to or no, more than that, 30, 35 years. Sorry. Um to get the spark back from uh, after spending all that time reflecting on his, on his time with the Beatles. Right. It, 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 there's no way that that didn't influence having really love you on there. You know, like the, the loose jam, the well-produced stuff like beautiful night, the introspective stuff, like, you know, the, a lot of those, you know, Calico star, Calico skies and, and little willow calls to like, Hey Jude, it calls to yesterday. Mm-hmm. It calls to his softer is softer stuff. Um, so it's it's all there. Like it's it's kind of like I I think it's the most well realized statement of w- so. of what he wanted to do, you know. Because those other uh, those other albums were like Flowers in the Dirt was kind of his comeback, and he worked with Elvis Costello, and Elvis Costello was like positioned as like the John Lennon, mm-hmm. you know, like he was gonna you know kind of co write with McCartney, and and you know Elvis Costello's got that that cynical edge that McCart that Lennon had, and they were kind of positioning that. Um, which was great. It was kind of it heralded McCartney coming back, and he and he came back to touring in in eighty nine for the first time since like Wings Over, like since seventy six or something like that. Yeah. So he was kind of on a comeback trail, and then he, he you know and he put out a lot of live albums after that, and then and then Off the Ground, which was a great album, but it just they were just kind of not performing well, you know. And I think that's what he wanted to recapture is I, I want to get back to putting out something that's really quality, that's kind of really there. You know, by assembling this, you know, getting Steve Miller in, which is a shot, you know, a different kind of shot mm-hmm. that that Ringo brings, or it's a different shot that George Martin will bring. George Martin's going to bring the old style arrangements and that old style sensibility. And Jeff Lynn kind of represents the guy that can kind of the architect that can kind of just keep it held together. Yeah. Right. And kind of like, I think that's what I think that's his. You know, I, th- I don't think you hear his overt sound on this because I think he was almost more of like an like an overseer. Mm hmm. You know, and just making yep. sure that things were were done right and kept on track, and kind of so more like a more like a Rick Rubin, I think, in this case. You know, because I don't think you're going to push, I don't think you're going to push your influence onto Paul McCartney unless he no, wants it. Absolutely not. You know, it's <laughs> not going to happen. You no. Know, <laughs> like, as opposed, <laughs> as, opposed so to Nine, as opposed to you listen to Cloud Nine, you really you hear you hear Jeff all over that because, but and that's what George wanted is he wanted a partner. You know, yeah. he wanted a collab, a real collaborator to kind of really kind of come in. Um, and I think Paul was saying, well, this guy's got something that I can use, right, in, in the right doses. It's, um, and that's I'm why really it's, not, glad it's you, not the heavy handed. 
I'm glad you brought up George Harrison because okay. that's probably your, the one your favorite Beatle. The one thing that I don't, <laughs> I feel like that he should have been on this record at least at least one song. You know, you're going to bring Ringo back. You're just on the heels of the anthology. You kind of made up a little bit. You guys were in yeah. really great spirits. Why wasn't he on this record? You know, at least one song. Beautiful Night could, you know, he could have had both play on that on yeah. that really elaborate track and George could have, you know, could have offered something. You know what it would have been know, nicer I, if they uh, if they sang together. It would have been nicer if he just sang if they just sang together. Like you know, free as a bird. Or the, the, the the absolute yeah. the harmonies on that song alone is, is just yeah. some of the finest that I've ever heard, even even back from way back in the day. Maybe and, he didn't want the full gimmick. You know, like, oh okay, you know. Yeah, but like, it's just I mean, he could have I mean he could have done something uh, stupid like, oh, you know, come up with the, the that anonymous name like he did with uh, yeah. Clapton on with Cream with Badge. George you know, Harry, he, a George Harry song. Yeah, he's uh, like L- some L- like mysterioso L- like L- something L- or other. So he's got a lot yeah. of he's got a lot of uh but he could have done, he could have pulled something like that. And you and you wonder what's going through Jeff Lynn's mind at this point. It's like um I wonder if that discussion happened. Why not bring George on? I wonder if Jeff Probably Lynn, not. you know, said to Paul, hey, what a, you know, what about George? You know, because they were say at that point not. they were really, really tight. You yeah. know, so it, it, you know it's hard for yeah, and just the spirit of that. Like, oh, just one more shot, just to have them both together and worked with both of them together. And and in this case, Jeff actually playing on the track with them. Yeah. Whereas like Free as a Bird, I think he was just hanging back and he was yeah, more it was the Beatles producer. Yeah. It was the Beatles doing their thing. Yep. But here, you know, to have all of them playing together would have been would close. Would have been, nice. would have been nice. close. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. It was an almost. It was an almost there. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, you got to take it, you know, you got to kind of take what you get, you know? And I think that, the, that, like I said, you know, Paul McCartney using him in the way that he wanted. So it wasn't mm-hmm. a full, it wasn't a full on takeover. Like it was with full moon fever, right? right. That's like yeah. full on, it was like a full on takeover and, and cloud nine was a, like a full on takeover, right? Meaning like, I, I want this person for what exact, you know, what they're going to do and I'm going to give them kind of free reign you know, to kind of put, put that in there, you know, but, but I think at, at this point at the late nineties, I think after working with the Beatles too, I think he probably, Jeff Lynn might've been kind of already past that too. And really getting into a producer role. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And not a guy that's going to come in and, and play bass, guitar, keyboards and produce and, co- you know, like be the every, <laughs> he, you know, he's like the Swiss army knife. Right. Yeah. Paul McCartney is already the Swiss art. He's the, he's the bigger Swiss he's army knife. Stirrer. He's the, he's a master yeah, class he, of the Swiss. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's got like 52 <laughs> blades. Jeff Lynn has like 37 blades or whatever, you know, like, 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 you, you know, you don't really need Paul McCartney doesn't need that. And he did most of that already himself. So right. he just needed that. That's right. Yeah. That, that guidance and that ear perhaps, you know? Yeah. Um. So that, I think that's kind of, a, it was an interesting dynamic. And I think that's probably why I think, he, you know, he also has to realize, yeah, I'm, I'm being hired to do this, so I'm not really. I don't think he's going to stir the pot by saying, "Hey, how come George isn't here?" Like, All right, there's the door. <laughs> he said, "He said the wrong word name again. Get out." <laughs> oh you man! Know, so, so it's just you know, this is again, and you know, Linda McCartney is on. Is on. I think only one song. I think she only sings on. Um, and her, you know. Uh, for for someone who's mu- who's much as much maligned, not as much as Yoko Ono was with John Lennon, but Linda McCartney got her fair share of grief mm. um, for being inducted as a member of Wings, 
right? Like a full on member of Wings. You would get songwriting credits and, and, the record company back in the seventies was like, you know what, you're like to Paul McCartney, like you're trying to screw us because, you know, you're getting songwriting credit, she's getting songwriting credit, so you're getting double credits, and she's does, you know, what does she really co- contribute? Like they're really questioning that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, does she really play keyboards? Can she really sing? You know, who cares? You know, like yeah. he wa- if he wanted her there, if that made him a better artist, and and he seemed to be a happy person, um, you know. And and they had the longest marriage, right? John Lennon was was married and divorced in the '60s. Ringo Starr was was done in, in the early '70s. They were already on their second wives. George Harrison was done, you know, well with you know Patty Boyd. He was already on his second marriage. So Paul McCartney had the longest standing relationship yeah. with anybody with anybody, you know. So that was his partner, you know. And 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 you know, I think there there was a change after this because he was he's been married twice since uh, mm-hmm. since her passing. So. You know, I th- I think that left a hole, and and when you listen to this album, I th- you know, I I try not to think about it, you know, because when you do, it really kind of it casts everything in a different light. You yeah, know? and and so and if you know if you want to be in that mood, you you can. If you know, it can have that melancholy, you know, like "Beautiful Night" can be a melancholy song when you look at it fr- from. Right. From the standpoint of of his partners, only got a limited amount of time, and they know that you know they knew this. Mm-hmm. Um, and all these other songs take on a different kind of color. Um, yeah. But you try not, uh, you know, I try to listen to it um, from from just from a, the musical standpoint and enjoy each each song as it is. You know, well, you it's, have so, to. it's so great. You have to. I mean, even like even sad songs to me, I mean, are, are can be great. I mean, uh, it's not so much your, it doesn't bring me down in that sense. Cause the music, you know, is, it could just live. It's uplifting. That was, you know what I'm saying? Doesn't, it doesn't bring, <laughs> ah, you down. Don't bring, bring me down. down. Okay. Come on. You knew but that. You know what I'm saying? Like even the saddest <laughs> song, if it, the music's right, it touches your soul. So yeah. it's, it's already lifting your spirits anyway. A beautiful song. Most songs are the best songs are sad. You know, like you said before, like it's hard to write a happy song without it sounding like, like a happy song, like really cheesy or poppy, yeah. you know, that's, those are the songs that get silly love songs, right? <laughs> those are the songs that get criticized. Those are the ones that nobody likes yeah. and like critics, like, oh, you know, that's that stuff. But you know, McCartney again, Mr. Poppy, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. right. But he's so good. It, he can do it all. Yeah, but it's, he, he, yeah, he, you know, he's good at it. He's good. He's, he's really good. good at it. It. He's great. This guy is one of a kind, you know, mm-hmm. he really is to, you know, and a lot of times, you know, we're going to go off on just a little, a little, I'm going to go out with a little fan theory. You know, I, I think, and I also think some of the animosity with, between him and John Lennon, and I could be wrong, but I, I think there was pro- probably a little jealousy there, you know, because everybody else in the Beatles really struggled with songwriting, like to get the idea, you know, like seemed like they were fighting and it just seemed mm-hmm. to come so naturally. And I, and I think as much John, as much as John Lennon criticized McCartney through the seventies and obviously yep. they were friends. I think there was some envy there though, that this guy could just do it. Like he does it so doubt. easily sure. and, and it wasn't yeah. all sappy stuff. I mean, he did like live and let die and he did a lot of hard, harder stuff. And then, yeah, he did stuff like, you know, uh, another day and, and, mm-hmm. You know, ebony and ivory, but but great. The guy could do <laughs> it, but he could do it song. all. <laughs> like if he wanted to write a hard song, he'd write a hard song. You know, if yeah. he wants to write a, a love song, he'll write a love song. Like 
it, it just seems to come like he wrote it helped um, a skelter for God's sake. I mean, you know, that's, you know, that, yeah, that's your, he, there, he, there's your example right there. The song you know? young boy on this album, he wrote that while Linda McCartney was being interviewed for a magazine. Like while she was mm-hmm. making lunch, he wrote that song. Like, you know, and if you watch the, if you watch the get back documentary, you just see a, like, you see a guy singing, sitting at the piano and this just stuff just comes out. Yeah. A melody with no words, you know, da 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 da, and then the next time it's Maxwell Silverhammer. And how do you, you know, and you know, we 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 were easy, very easy to critique, you know, to to criticize Paul's as having the huge ego and, yeah. but you know, he does come across as somewhat. I don't think he necessarily realizes that he has a big ego in that sense because I think he just does what he does, and he just yeah. maybe you know. I I can't help it being this talented. I can't help. I mean, this is yeah. this is what I, I mean. Do. I, see, the guy's you know, what 80, 80? I think yeah. he's eighty, right? He's, he's he's yeah, he's up since, there. Since since you were nineteen or twenty, you've been idolized. Yeah, since you were twenty years old. So for the past sixty years, and and most people would say your first ten years were your best, right? Yeah, you know he's he's been not, he's done nothing but lived his life under a microscope and in the spotlight mm-hmm. but the guy has delivered like you can't yeah. he pushes himself i don't There's think no he's over like, i don't think he's overrated like you i, I would no, I, I don't you cannot say like oh mccartney he's overrated it's like no he's good at what he does he is uh, probably better than than anybody mm-hmm. at, at crafting a song at, at working within different genres and understanding those things and and knowing what you know what what he like like when when he does again i'm going to go back to the the get back documentary like when they're rehearsing and they're goofing around and doing different voices but when it comes down to laying down the track he delivers like he knows what kind of vocal to use and and you know he takes that part of it seriously he has fun doing it and it's a goof but when mm-hmm. it's time to get down to work he's serious about it you know, and he does, and he still putting out, he just put out like in 2020, he put out McCartney, McCartney three, his third, you know, his third titled solo album. Um, so he, he shows no signs of stopping and he's still touring. He's still like, you know, we didn't even talk about the, the concert mm-hmm. in 89 when we saw him at Madison square garden. That Which... was like a jaw, jaw, that was a jaw dropping experience for me. That was probably at the time I hadn't been, I mean, I've been to a decent amount of concerts, but that was something on a, on a different level. Yeah, I agree. at that point, you know, it was the, it was something that we had we had seen Genesis, we had seen Sticks, we had seen you know a lot of these groups, but by the time McCartney came around in '89 or '90, whenever it was, and he was in and he hadn't toured since the '70s, and he was now embracing, in a big way, doing his Beatles catalog, mm-hmm. um, and replicating it, you know, using samples of keep you know of horns. Um, I remember when they did Sgt. Pepper. And and the guy, you know, Wicks or whatever his name was, was playing playing like the horn parts on the keyboard, and it was the exact sample. My jaw hit the ground. I'm like, I yeah. can't believe I'm seeing Paul McCartney sing Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band with it sounding authentic. It wasn't like a rock and roll version with like electric guitars. It was like recreating it. Yeah. What what more do you want? Yeah, doing it. Uh, Eleanor Rigby songs like yeah. "Fool on the Hill." Everything songs was just that ill. Just songs that they were not doing. Oh. They had hadn't been done. Yeah, he did a lot of you know like older stuff with Wings in hey, the seventy six. I mean, he did like a lot of great 
it was just a but, fantastic concert. And but the Beatles stuff, when you can, when yeah. they stopped touring, you know, none of that stuff was ever performed. No, it was never until, done. Yeah. Was, so for him to this. embrace it, yeah, was until this, <sighs> yeah. And then after, yeah. from that point on, every it seemed like every with every new album or every couple of years, he would he would put out that tours album. Like he would, yeah. Like, there would be a, a, a document of that particular tour. Because they were great. The, the first yeah. one was, uh, <laughs> yeah, tri- tripping the live. Fantastic was that was the the live was CD f- of of that tour that we saw, which was fantastic. It was just, uh, I remember it. Just just a quick memory about that is, um, before they came on, they had a screen that was down, like a like mm-hmm. a movie screen. Yep. And they showed like a video of like the band like standing there and like Paul McCartney like hit like a bass note. It was like doom, doom, doom. And then the and like the the screen went up and they were there. Mm-hmm. Like and he was playing the note and it was just oh forget <laughs> it. It was it was it was it was a joy because that was like we were in like the height oh. of the you know, like at, at that I, point I, we I were remember. we we weren't at the height of our Beatles fandom. We were already like established. Right, so this was like perfect. We were had yeah, been it into was the Beatles, uh, uh, digested far, everything. It was like boom, by far the best concert experience I've I've ever been. To. Yeah, yeah you know, there. you had you, you couldn't you couldn't the vibe in the room, <sighs> such love. I mean, people yeah. were dancing in the aisles. This wasn't like nobody was throwing bottles. Nobody was, you know, sit down. Like you know, <laughs> but, you know, you go to every concert. There's always an asshole, yeah. some guy like ruining. But nobody was like everybody was. I've seen people. I'm looking around. People are crying. <laughs> they're, they're, you know, they're just, you know, and see, and you know, because again, they, I guess they had to turn up the lights a little bit to see them. But you, when you look down in, in Madison Square and you see people dancing in the aisles. Yeah. And, and sitting there and just in awe of this man. I was you know, speechless. That, I was speechless. Yeah, I went two nights in a row. Yeah. And and I was speechless. Uh, it was like, it was like, it was almost like a life changing. You took, you you got tickets for, uh, you got, gave me tickets yeah. for my birthday. I remember. And I, I was, I you never t- paid t- me, and you never, you never paid me back for those tickets. You said it was, I said it was a loner ticket, loner I, I birthday took, gift. I took off work, you know, uh, to, to go see the show. And, and all I had to say was, when I asked my boss at the time, you know, hey, um, is it okay if I, you know, and all I had to say was Paul McCartney and she was just lit up and she was, oh, you got to go. You, of course, you can have wait, wait, you, you don't ask your boss. You tell your boss, I'm going to Paul McCartney. <laughs> Someone else mm. can do whatever I do for yeah. one day. I'm going to Paul McCartney. But that, is, that, that, and I'm glad that I had only seen him once. Yeah, I, me too. I, I've only ever seen him that time. I don't think I could have gone back and, you know, it's not, he's, he's just, it's just one, you know, that's, that's enough for me. I, yeah. I got to see this. Well, he, started I, do, and he started doing stadiums after that. So everything got bigger. Of course. You know, the, yeah. the venues got, you know, then he started doing giant stadium and, and like, and I hate those, I hate stadium shows. So do you I. Know, because yeah. even Madison Square Garden's a big venue, but it can still be intimate. It's still, it's an enclosed, it's, you know, right. It, yeah. It's there. But when you get to the stadiums and it's open and, and, you know, the guy, you know, you're on the other side of the field, and the person looks like a Lego. Looks like a Lego guy. You know, you can't even see who it is. You know, it's it's. And it, that was that's more, the, like, that's more of like a hang when you go. And and, and that was the and that was the cool thing too. You know, like you know, you talk to like some people who are a little bit younger than we are, and and then oh, I, I, the best concert I ever went to was this, 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 and yes, yeah, but I saw Paul McCartney, and they're like, okay, well, I'm still <laughs> you know, in his just prime. So, you know. <laughs> But and 40, that was 80, yeah, he was he was in his late 40s, so he wasn't even yeah. 50 yet. So we kind of saw him when he was like he was you know, young, he was vital, yeah, he, he was, was still, yeah. 
You might great. have caught, you might have thought he was over the hill at that point, but he really wasn't considering no. that he's still going now. It's like we saw him in the eighties, and he still looks great. He's starting to yeah. show his age, but of course, he's, but he's well, still, he, but he's still, but he still looks good. Though, he'll attribute you know? it to veganism, right? He's a staunch yeah. veganism, but he's a support, a staunch supporter of the devil's lettuce as well. <laughs> <laughs> he spent some time in jail in Japan, and I don't know if you remember that. And it was the oh, late seventies oh, or yes. early eighties, like a big. Thing. It was like a on the news, like the the Paul McCartney in jail, like in in Japan in jail. Watch like day yeah. day ten. Paul McCartney in jail in Japan, and uh, he was never. I, I guess they, they let him back in, or was he still banned? Because uh, at oh, the time know. they, I don't, they I don't got think so. from they, they like back then it was like a big thing, and, and they mm. you know kicked him out of the country. But I'm sure I think he's been back. Mm. They should they should lift that, uh, you know. But he yeah he was a big purveyor of uh, you know wasn't big into the psychedelics like the LSD and stuff. He, he you know oh, no. he it was always the that cannabis yeah. But uh, always <laughs> the weed was was like his thing. Yep. So hey, if there's a connection, we got some catching up to do so we can be on the level of him and his uh, musical prowess. <laughs> I don't know if there's enough time to catch up, right? <laughs> <laughs> Goodness. So yeah, so, so cl- closing out, I, I you know I'm gonna I'm gonna say that you know. Uh, Calico Skies might be your favorite. You know, I'm going to say that's probably the highlights for you. That's not and, not and it's not my day. favorite. It's my wife's no. favorite. It's okay. Kelly's favorite. But my favorite song, uh, Heaven on a Sunday. Heaven on a Sunday. Out there. That's a great. That's one. my favorite. So that's my favorite track. Oh, but I mean, it is. It's like yeah, the entire ex- album's great. But yeah, yeah, it's like a song. That's like a song. Like the like in the spring. You wake up, it's kind of cool out, the sun is out, and it's just like, it's such a chill, just a great, yeah, it's a, it's a great song. Yeah. It's a great song. I'm going to I'm gonna go with, obviously, with Beautiful Night. It's just, pff, I love that. Uh, it used to be bad. Again, that's a nice little rave up with with Mr. Steve Miller. Again, we got it. We really Jeff Lynn the hell out of this episode. Um, but we got to, you know, got to give some, great some, day. some. Great day is another great one, day. too. Yeah. Yep. I yeah, think that's probably all- what you meant when you said Caligo Skies. For maybe you meant great. No, day. I, I was thinking Calico Skies, but that was because okay. of your wife. Great day. that yeah, great day are my two favorites from the Yeah. Yep. And then, so. you know, again, he would kind of uh kind of not really hit, you know, what what he would hit again. I mean, he wouldn't have another studio album until Driving Rain in two thousand and one. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean he he had that side group, the fire firemen, um, which was kind of like a little avant-garde thing. But um he uh, he wouldn't hit again, and and that album, uh, Driving Rain, you know, number twenty six. Um, so you know he 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 got his number two for the nineties with this one, right? I said in the beginning he's the only artist that has six decades of a number one or number two album. This is the one that did it for him. This kept this kept the streak going in the nineties because it was mm. pretty dry up until then. Um, yeah. so good, so good on him for, uh, for doing it. And yeah, just check this out. It's on, it's on Spotify. It's remastered. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a box set, you know, a lot of extra stuff, but well, I don't think it's on there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it, yeah. just listen to the album. <laughs> I was disappointed I, I don't think- because I'm looking at this thing and they're talking about all these extra tracks that didn't appear on the album and none of it's in the box set, which is, you know, odd it's because they just, they just talked about it. They just want to let you know. Yeah, it's it like information they, the remixes. Only. They got like like <laughs> seven or eight remixes of one song, of and that's the that's the stuff I can't stand. I want I want the B sides. I want the extra tracks because some of them could be gems. You, you never yeah. know, you know. So, 
but uh, but as and oh, yeah. by the way, I have to add yes. that uh, if, if you haven't li- if you haven't listened to the remix of the new mix of Revolver, it's fantastic. It just, came, just came out, out. on Friday on Friday. Yeah. As of the perfect, of this, it, it is it album, is so. absolutely perfect. Uh, the, I, I'm I couldn't be happier with the. It's the, almost overkill know. with the amount of stuff that's on there. I'm like I was looking at the track listings. I'm like, oh yeah. my god. But there's, there's, there's some a good lot stuff. There. And of course, they have Rain on there and, you know, Stereo um, Mix, paper, Paperback Writer, both in mono and stereo, the entire yeah. album, both in mono. But the mix on this thing is great. The bottom end is what I was looking for, and I got it. Finally got it. It's, 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 it's well balanced. He, he did such a great job with this one. I was hoping that this would Giles, be the one that it Giles yeah. Martin. Yeah. yeah. So cool. I'll have to check that out. And that's on streaming yeah. as well. So check that yep. out. And then, uh, you have, of course, Flaming Pie from 1997. Uh, uh, you know, to sum up, you know, someone that was pro- they probably thought was on the, the other side of their career going by the previous few albums that really weren't, they were okay, you know, critically, but and really weren't hitting. And then he just kind of pulled it together, energized by his old group. Who would have thought that it would take the Beatles to re-energize him to really kind of put the pedal to the metal and, and surround himself with people that could really, that he wanted to work with and that he would have fun with and could work quickly. And out of the oven came a flaming pie. So, yeah. Um, Very, well put. <laughs> right. You like this. I love those, that. Yeah. It was those great. Puns just come, they come, <laughs> they come rolling off. So that's my superpower. Yep. But, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the 3324 podcast. Thank you so much for sticking with us through this one. Join us on social media, won't you? Uh, Instagram and Facebook. It's a lot of fun there. And on Facebook and YouTube, we do live shows every other week. Sometimes we throw in trivia nights too, which is a lot of fun. But either way, it's your chance to interact with us uh, and have a, have a blast. And we really enjoy interacting with our community. So uh, we encourage you to, uh, to seek us out on the socials. And we would love to interact with you. So for Eric, this has been Dean. And we will see you on the flip side. You've been listening to the 3324 Podcast with Dean Legiro and Eric Cooper. You can find us on your favorite podcast provider. So please like, subscribe, and rate to become a part of the 3324 family. Your feedback is important, so make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at 3324podcast and on Twitter at 3324p to join the conversation. 